0: Hello, and welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is This is episode two of our Mass Effect analysis. Um, today, let's see, we're covering from uh, when you arrive at the Citadel all the way through Liara's dig site. This is what I failed to mention in the video, but I put in the pinned comment, I think. Yeah. Liara's dig site is the first one that I wanted to cover after the Citadel and then go to Noveria after that. Um, so those are the three missions or three levels or however you want to term it that we covered this week. Yep. Um, my initial <coughs> ambition was to do four playthroughs. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> I just don't have the time to do that. Yeah. So I did male Paragon uh, Shepherd route, which is like my first default route. Right. Then I did uh, female Shepherd Paragon. And then I did half of the Renegade playthrough of that same Gen. section. But I've, I've had enough thoughts about Renegade along the way to, just to make a determination. <laughs> well, that was my initial thought. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I can finish a, a Renegade playthrough of this game. Yeah. I, 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 I had the feeling this is so poorly executed, I literally cannot continue. Yes, yes, yes. I, but there have been some good comments from last week's video yeah. that I want to go over that have changed my perspective a little bit on what maybe the optimal way to approach a renegade route is. Okay, that makes a, a lot more sense to me. So we're going to jump into all of that today. Cool. Um, but why don't we start out with? Okay, so. I was, last week I started a new thing where I was like, I'm going to do a summary, a written summary of every... Are we doing that this then? I'm not going to do that. Okay. Because no one said anything about it either way, (laughs) whether they liked it or not, and I personally didn't like it. I personally
1: didn't either, because then after the summary I had to then go back through and... and, Problem on my part. I didn't bring my laptop last time, but um, it was harder for me to go back through and then insert my yeah. thoughts and notes after the summary had already been concluded. Yeah. Basically, we'd go back and re-summarize the game again, right. anyways. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I didn't like the flow of it anyways. I didn't like the flow. Yeah. The way that it kind of like transitioned into that, and it <clears> felt very, I don't know, not inauthentic necessarily, but just re- rehearsed or like not very natural. I mm-hmm. didn't like the way it felt, so I'm not doing it again. Okay. So uh, we'll just start right from uh, when you arrive at the Citadel. So, it's freaking sweet. Ha, ha, it's really, you like the Citadel? really cool. Kay. I really
1: liked it. <clears throat> I, I had some general critiques about the way certain things are done as you're traveling throughout that area. Sure. But, like, the way it looks is really cool. Yeah. And there like the way they describe, and they're constantly talking about how this came about, and they basically just discovered this place, And but it's just like the coolest looking city.
0: Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> in the first episode, we went over dev history about how they, they were inspired by Halo. Halo was like the big sci-fi shooter. And Citadel
1: is kind of that
0: It looks like that. Yes. Like, obviously, it's meant to create artificial gravity through (laughs) centrifugal force as it it rotates, right? That's what it's doing. But it it has a similar effect where you look and you kind of see it curving up like that. You see it going up. Kind of like the Halo ring, which was one of the coolest things in that game. Yeah. Uh, One of the most... um, One of the things that sold the scope or, or the... The scale of the game to me yes. was at any point you're running around in Halo and you just look up and you see the rain going up into the sky like that. I just thought that was the dopest thing ever. Yeah, and this has kind of a similar look to it on the Citadel, right? You it look does. up and you see the ground kind of like curves upward, and you see you know a bunch of like flying vehicles kind of like speeding yeah, yeah, through yeah. traffic and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. You know, it's a really cool looking space station. Yeah. Um, so okay. Now I made a mistake when
1: I first played this game, um, especially not having played it too much. But getting yeah. to the citadel of assuming and part, and I, I know why I did this now. In fact, my notes kind of reflected it at first. But assuming that everything that happens, including Korra's Den and everywhere else, is part of the government citadel building oh, right. that we were at. It's all right. part of that same building. Oh right? uh, yeah. Now. Um, that isn't correct yeah. <laughs> but it it kind of feels that way at first because within the game you're not really allowed to leave and go explore places, you you can, you can fast travel places. Yeah. But you don't really know where those places are. Yeah. They're just somewhere. There's a thing, and it's a den, and it's somewhere. That's and actually, I thought it was just the basement of the government
0: <laughs> judicial building. And I was like, dude, there's no way all this crap is stacked on top of each other. That's specifically why I didn't do fast travel. Or each time I play it, yeah. I don't do fast travel at first. Okay. i make sure that I go to each location on foot so that I can make a mental <laughs> map of this is here, this is here, well, this okay, is here. Okay,
1: but even even when you're going places on foot, and that that is also part of it, it it doesn't feel that far away, first sure. of all. But you're also running through other rooms and just
0: yeah. just random rooms to get to the one next one. One giant space station, it's all connected.
1: Yes, yes, but it's freaking massive. And it 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 um Everything is a little too close together, I guess. <laughs> it, it's very strange when you're, you're going up to see, like, the judge, the, the counsel, yeah. and then you come down, and within 10 minutes, you can make your way to a place where you're having shootouts with people. Yeah. <laughs> like, just on the fly, random. Right. It, it feels kind of weird. But the scale, I feel like the scale is is implicitly bigger. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, I think that um, they tried to simulate a little bit, or, or, or mm-hmm. I guess sell some of the, these places are further away from each other yeah. than they actually Cause are. Because when you fast travel, the,
1: it shows the screen that's like, like Coruscant, like right. you see the whole city. Right. And all the planes, whatever, the <laughs> flying vehicles moving yeah, back and forth, covers. and it's like, oh, this is like a huge sprawling metropolis. Yeah. You don't get that. But they also have the elevators,
0: right? Where you get in the elevators and you'll hear like the news or your squad mates will talk to each other. I think they use that to try to sell you're going really far, further than you're actually going. Because they're actually, what they're actually doing is they're disguising a load time with that, right? Oh, of course. It's like they're loading the next area with an elevator. Um, that actually annoyed a lot of people. It was a big criticism of Mass yeah. Effect was that these these elevator rides were like really really long. But otherwise, but, you just
1: have a loading screen. I so know exactly.
0: But I don't um, mind it when you. Put I it thought that it was way. fine. But in the in the new version, in the Legendary Edition that I'm playing, they give you the ability to skip them because uh. they load much faster. Oh, in this of course, version. of course. Right, and I've got it on a That's solid nice. state hard drive too, so it's like.
1: Well, although at the same time, though, I mean, those news stories are often relevant. And yeah. the conversations are, are yeah. good. So I watch I them anyways. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> feel like I need to skip them. I wouldn't have that same complaint, actually. That'd I didn't mind either. the elevators at all. Me neither. I thought they're cool. Yeah, and you see the lights going. Foof, foof, yeah. Foof. I think it's great. Yeah. But I yeah, do not the, understand them at first, because you're not really just going up and down, right? You're going...
0: Oh... I think they usually are up and down, but I'm supposed in some See, cases that's they could where be I'm kinda trams or about. something. On the Citadel, they're not trams, but in other places right. like on Novaria, they have like a train, right? That yes. kind of takes you somewhere. Like that a one's a
1: little more clear, yes. Yeah. But
0: it's it's just
1: like one massive skyscraper. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, so the scale of it's a little bit, a little, I don't know. It just feels a little bit weird that these things are all so close together. It's like the police but. station
0: is minutes away from yes. the <laughs> freaking. Uh, the, the bars where they have like uh, the organized criminals yeah, the
1: gambling and all yeah. the yeah and then right. the den and all that yeah uh,
0: that's, 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 I think that that's you know but fair. when you first get there and you look out it, it's it is really cool yeah and so you have like the embassies. Uh, that's where you start out.
1: Yeah, and you see the, what are the races? See, this is, I'm going to need your help a lot with names. Okay, so the Elcor. The Elcor and the the Volus. Volus, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're kind of having their little spat. Yeah. And it's it's more or less realistic, the way they talk about this stuff and the way how the number of species and how they're all kind of vying for, and each one is trying to, you know, stand up for their own interests. Uh, But then, and they all hate the humans. Well, the um, Ek
0: the elcor or elcor. the, the vellor the elcor the don't hate the humans guys it yeah, yeah.
1: doesn't seem like they hate anything very much yeah um, but it's a realistic kind of spat and they're kind yeah. of you know going back and forth and
0: i like that so before we jump into that you start out in the office of the human ambassador udina who is you know complaining to some like holograms of the citadel council cuz he's set up a hearing right yes. that's like why we're here is we're going to make a full report of the Eden Prime mm. mission and Saren's involvement right. with the Geth and all of that, making him a disaster. You know, and and yeah. anyway, so he's gonna be uh, there as well, um, defending himself. So, like, that's what this is all setting up. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get some of your feelings on Udina as a character. Um, now, this is the ambassador, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Hard headed, headstrong, just single minded for sure a- as the character. Um, I don't know that someone like him would be that's, an ambassador. That's
0: my... That's yeah. the thing I'm so conflicted
1: with. It's political, right? Yes. It would be a poli- you would, this would be more of a politician. Politician. And yes. less of a straight,
0: no-crap businessman. You know, sure. like just a no-nonsense. Like, on the one hand, there are really obnoxious politicians out there. Mm. I, I 100%, I see them on... Uh, on TV, of course, doing their filibusting or whatever it is, or <laughs> you know, just yeah. like being obnoxious, and it's just like I hate this person. And right. Every time they open their mouth, they annoy me. Sure, that exists in real life. So yes. what I'm about to say is, in light of understanding that that is mm. true, there's something about Udina that just makes me feel like, and I understand you're supposed to not like him, right? Like he's supposed to feel like that. Slimy, sleazy politician, just self-interested. Deals. Yeah. And like, you know, he's supposed to feel like that on purpose. Okay. But there's also something about like the actor's performance in tandem with like the yeah, petulance yeah. of the character that doesn't just make him seem like that, but also just not good at his job. Yes, like, every it does, yeah. Every time he opens his mouth, it's like he's undoing or taking steps yeah. back from helping humans progress in <laughs> which, this in the society
1: which which may all, may sound like politicians in general but the way the way he does it yeah. is different i almost feel like the the captain of the normandy isn't and the ambassador should be switched. Keep that like, in mind Okay, for later. <laughs> okay, okay, it, but it feels that way. It feels like the, our guy should be the ambassador and that other guy would be the military general who's just like yeah. gung-ho and you better do what you're told kind of thing. Like,
0: I, I would seem, It would seem to me that there are some politicians who are the type that they're trying to create with Udina who yeah. are good at getting things done that they want done. But it feels like every time Udina, like, yeah. does his, like, shaking the fist at the Citadel <laughs> Council, <laughs> yeah. it's like he's undoing yeah. progress. It's exactly. like they, they don't listen to anything he says. Yeah.
1: And yes, that's true. there's
0: even one time where Captain Anderson says something, like, he kind of defends Udina to some degree, and it just, it feels... It feels wrong. It feels like there is no defense Uvudina. Yeah. He sucks at his job and he's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> if it was like he's annoying, but he like helps humanity, yeah, I'd be like, okay, right. I can buy into this that we'll just kind of go with it. But I don't think he's good either. <laughs> so it's no. like incompetent plus Annoying. It,
1: what's so funny is that you are describing a typical politician. <laughs> I know. That's why <laughs> but, I said. <laughs> but something about him doesn't feel that way. Like this yeah. guy would not actually go very far. I don't
0: think he would. In in a political situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Captain Anderson. Uh, I guess the, the, the counter to that is sometimes it's just about your connections, right? Sure. If you yeah, have the you right know. connections, yeah. you get... The job, even if you're not competent or even if you're not good at it, that does yeah, happen in real life, too.
1: As far as being the ambassador to the citadel or to the council or to the alliance, right, um, is that the highest position that a human can attain Is being uh, other than being on a council, but there are no humans on the council? I, so it would be, be the ambassador. So. <laughs> no? I
0: don't think so. I think there are higher... Um, like positions within the alliance or something, where like command goes higher than Udina necessarily, right? Okay. Or like the government of the human alliance. So there would be a human president that is <laughs> something like that. Probably. But is this the one is that just our Udina. liaison or our representative yeah. on the citadel.
1: Because generally speaking, there's m- multiple
0: ambassadors, you know, for yeah. right, right, lots of things. Well, <laughs> so. ambassadors for lots of different countries and yeah, all yeah. over the world, right?
1: And I guess there would be like one lead ambassador, like I think sure. the United States has an ambassador to the UN, technically sure. uh, but that ambassador has other people working for them as well anyways, but, yeah.
0: I don't want to stick on Udina for too long but I don't like this character very much <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, there's something about the actor too, like his, his accent or just like the way he talks his inflection, it doesn't come across as completely natural to me and so it's just like Udina, they made they, I, know, I get you're not supposed to like him mm. but I'm not liking him I feel for the wrong reasons.
1: Hmm, Not then, because then what was
0: intended. they built a character that I don't like, but because right. he's just kind of an annoying guy to listen to. <laughs> right? Sounds good. Anyways, um, he's uh, you know upset, but he's set up a, a hearing for Shepard and uh, to give his side of the story what happened, and then, of course, Saren's gonna be there. So he asks right. you to meet him uh, at the Citadel Tower. And along the way, you can go to the other embassies, meet the Elcor and the Bolus, like you were talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is the They part kind of funnel you through different rooms to get to places. It's not like there's yeah. a highway that you're uh, just yeah. a walkway where you can just kind of get to where you want to go. You have to go through like restaurants and places yeah. in order to get to other. Yeah, they kind of lead places. you through
0: different places, and that's where you, yeah. you'll come across a lot of side quests. And I don't want to talk about every side quest on the Citadel. That would take way too long. There's a lot, but I think we should maybe comment on our favorite ones or something okay. in, in a minute. Um, but anyways, uh, the, yeah, that that embassy right next door where the Elcor and the Volus are at. Um, it, it's it's kind of funny because it's like the Elcor and the Volus share an embassy. Office. Yes, together. But humanity has their own embassy. Right, and office. we're newer because yes. uh,
1: isn't it isn't it true that the Volus have technically been Around a lot, longer, a lot longer, almost
0: than anyone else. The Asari <laughs> discovered the Volus, so they were okay. actually one of the first alien races to be brought in to the galactic society. That
1: sounds right, and they just have no representation no, at all,
0: not on the Citadel Council at least. Right. Um, and so this is this is the part because, and we're going to get into some comments um, that people made on, the, and and I think there are a lot of very fair criticisms of Mass mm. Effect. I, sure. Like a lot of things that people complain about with Mass Effect are not even things I would fault anybody for saying. It, it's mm-hmm. like there's so much valid criticism of Mass Effect. But one of the things I really, really love about it is just this kind of thing. You go next door to the embassy and you talk to the Volus and the Elkhorn and you just learn about like, yes. the way that the, the, the world of Mass Effect is sort of like unveiled piece mm-hmm. by piece. Yeah, and little it, by little.
1: It, and it starts with some almost just irrelevant squabble yeah. between two races. Yeah, And that is that is what, just a million of those, is what makes yeah. up this whole system, and basically. It, it
0: starts to just feel like this very convincing, yeah. real society that they have really thought through and fleshed out. You know what I love about
1: Mass Effect? I'm loving this so far, is that a character that you can talk to for that long and appears yeah. to have that much... Um, relevance to the world generally speaking is somebody who will eventually join your party or a very important character otherwise um you can learn you can look into the history of just people who aren't important at all yeah (laughs) like you can talk to people and and ask them personal questions and just learn all about these people and then you might never talk to them again yeah for i don't know if it's for the rest of the game or not because i haven't played the whole game but it, it seems as though we've met like Fifty people who I've been able to <laughs> act, like pry into their personal lives, and I'm like, hey, yeah. these aren't all going to be consequential characters. And yeah. but it's a it's an option to pry yeah. into their history you and don't to ask to. them those questions. You don't right. have to. Now I'm doing it for the podcast, and it is it's a little it's a lot to just constantly for everyone be like, hey. Uh, tell me about yourself. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm a colonist from this place. And it's like, okay, fine. And you get those same stories over and over. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's awesome that you can skip it if you don't want to be bogged down with that. Yeah. But you have the option to really actually get to know characters in the game. Because yeah. if this was a normal RPG, either the Volus or the Elcor would be joining our party after this little interaction. Sure. Now we fix their thing and then they're like super stoked. And it's like, oh, come with us. And yeah. but that's just the beginning. You keep going and there are so many more characters that you can really get into in depth
0: about. Yeah, they flesh out NPCs to a degree yeah, so that is not typical. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And, um, you know, the, the flip side of that, again, a valid criticism of Mass Effect is that the player is standing in for a character who's meant to be very competent. I mean, this is going to be Right, a candidate for the first human spectre. I, I know what you're gonna and, say. and yeah. he doesn't seem to know he anything. He doesn't know anything. about the world he's in. <laughs> but you know
1: what? And I took a note about this. I took a note here. It does not bother me very much. Yes, it, I agree. For some weird reason, I'm learning about the world. I'm controlling a person. I didn't have to ask that question. The fact yes. that I told him to say so, what it would be. So, what are the the voteless? Yeah, like well, as tell if me he doesn't freaking or know yeah. or something. so tell me what yeah what are you and it's like but but it's you that told him to ask that question yes. he didn't have to ask it and and were you really on the level or if you're let's say you're playing this game for the second time yeah you don't have don't to not ask that, that question. Exactly. And that. in which case you are that type of character. And so if you if you think it's not befitting of your character to say a certain thing, there's like six options. <laughs> you don't have to ask that one. Right. Now, I'm asking all the questions, but it just doesn't bother me. There's something about the freedom to not ask that question and to still yes. get along just fine that,
0: that that makes it so the whole thing doesn't bother me at all. I, I agree 100%. That, I think that that was kind of, that was very clever on their yeah, part. Very. Is that like, if you know it, let's say you've played the game before mm-hmm. and you're aware, uh, as Shepard should be, as of should how be. this society works yeah. and all the aliens, you would just go to the relevant questions and Shepard will appear in that playthrough completely competent Perfectly the way competent. he should be.
1: Yeah, so in certain playthroughs, and that's the genius of this game, Yeah. He, how he appears, it just depends on how you play the game. Exactly. It's not like there's a set thing and your character's just this, um, oh gosh, like freaking the game we just played and Faye, <laughs> <Xenogears>. <laughs> Faye having to ask questions about things, but that's part of the story and yes. he, he had to kind of question things and it made him look kind of dumb sometimes. Yes. Well, you, don't have to, you just don't have to do it here. You, you don't have to, you can skip basically everything. It's
0: only if you are personally as a player interested in learning yeah. about it. And on top this of that. This game would be pretty dang short if you didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It would be really short It would be a really short It'd game. game. Really short game. <laughs> um, but on top of this, they have an excellent codex. Yeah. Where you can learn about all of this stuff there instead if you'd rather do that rather yeah. than talk to the people. Or yeah, you then you can just go read it. Yeah. And so I do enjoy this aspect of it. Like I can see from the perspective of the developers, we have all this rich like yeah. world building to do. And I think that for the most part they're competent in how they write it out, to not yeah. make Shepard yeah. look like a complete bumbling <clears throat> idiot. Right. But it is true that there's a lot of as-you-know yes, and expositional dialogue tons. worked into that. Tons, tons, but it's tons. not nearly as offensive to me no. as a <laughs> lot of other as-you-know dialogue. Right. I think they, there was a few that I criticized last week, like a few instances of it, where it's like, okay, I see the framing. I see the way that they're trying to do that, and it's a little clumsy. But for the most part, it's not. Yeah. And so there are going to be times when it's like, Shepard should know that. That's a little clumsy. Right. But it's not like it's all the time. Right. And again, like you're saying, it's totally optional. You do it's not have optional. to have him ask yeah. stupid questions. It's not that awkward. It's, I think they do a good job, given what they're going for, yeah. of accomplishing, delivering this world. Because the information that you're getting is all... Again, it seems very grounded and convincing and mm. well thought through. And it really comes together in a way that like makes this cohesive world that, that they've created. yeah, And it's fascinating information, I just love learning about it. So, and, and I really like some of the kind of like clever touches that they do to give each alien species their own like individual quirks yes. and things about them, right? So like the Elcor, um, they have a very monotone speaking voice, but that's yeah. not how they express emotion. They express emotion through scent. Yes. Through uh, pheromones and, and through yeah, more subtle. very subtle body Ways. language, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have no emotion in their speech, yeah. And so they have to when they're speaking to aliens, they have to say out loud what the emotion is I they're feeling before they say the sentence. And that's they basically the first character you meet is someone like yeah. that. And that's really that's that's a nice touch. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I thought it was clever and funny, and it's it's just it's, it's it. I don't know. I just it, it gives that yeah. species the Elcor. A quirk that helps you remember yeah. them, like right? It's like oh, that's totally. very distinctive. Oh, there's another one. What 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 are they called,
1: those squid-looking dudes? The Hanar. That are, okay, the Hanar have a similar quirk, where they, they yeah. don't refer to themselves in the first person nope. any, in any way. This
0: one and that this one. This one and
1: that one. Everything mm-hmm. is it's a very indirect way of speaking, yeah. and that's just part of their culture. That's just how they talk.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I loved it, too. In yeah. one of the elevator rides, they say... That the Elcor are putting on a production, a play of, I um, of was it, uh, Big I think it was Macbeth.
1: I think it was or Hamlet. Maybe it was, it was Hamlet. Hamlet. It was, it Hamlet. was
0: Hamlet. They're going to put on Hamlet, yeah. and it's going to be done entirely with the scent, and they're going to get yes. across the emotions with the scent and the pheromones and yeah, the body yes. language, not with uh, like the typical yes, uh, the way performances yeah. or yeah. acting that, you, right. and it's like. That just feels like something you would hear in a society yes. like that a, a diverse society of aliens. It's like What uh, they said specifically <laughs> they said now it, right?
1: now uh, audiences will be able to uh, see Hamlet from a more neutral perspective and determine whether his actions actually make sense or not yes. given the absence of emotion. I freaking <laughs> love that. <laughs> that's so great. I love that. It's like just to watch Hamlet without any emotion at all and just be like, you know, I don't know, that's There's hilarious. so that's many so little funny. details like
0: that. That go into this whole citadel section, that to me just sell it as a believable, convincing yeah. place. And um, like I, I could not possibly list all of the things, but like that was one of the one of the ones, the L specifically, and then yeah. connecting that to this little elevator ad, that just like really bring this place together, um, make it feel alive, yeah. make it feel like a real place. And as you're just
1: walking by people, you you're just hearing occasionally, you're hearing conversations. Yeah. You know, you're hearing people talk, and you can often, you know, get info from people without entering a full conversation with them, you know?
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's very good, I love it's it. very good. So anyways, you make your way from there to the Citadel Tower. Um, and there's one thing that happens. Again, this is not forced. Hmm. It's not like a cutscene that's triggered automatically. But as, as you're passing right in front of it, there is um, what, a, an alien that looks a little bit like a praying mantis. They're called keepers. Yes. And they're at all these little terminals and things. Oh, and there's like a tour guide Mm -hmm. thing. The the Avena tour uh, virtual intelligence. And she says, don't disturb the keepers. Or No, no, no. What happens is Ashley points it out because Ashley's in your party. She says, what's that weird bug looking thing? Which Mm. is, she, well, maybe this is her first because they do mention that this is Commander Shepard's first time on the Citadel. Yeah. So there is a small possibility that she Ashley wouldn't know what the Keepers yeah. are. Mm. I find that still a little hard to believe, mm. considering how central the Citadel is to like the whole society, and she's a soldier, and she's out, anyways. I guess there is a slight possibility she wouldn't know. But she's like, what's this little bug looking thing, mm. right? So they're, what they're doing there is pointing you, directing you at the Keeper, because they want you to, to see something. Yeah. So you can go up and interact with it, and that's when Avina says, please don't disturb the Keepers. So then it's you like talk a, to it's like a crime. Yeah, you you talk to, to you them. talk to Avina, and there's a couple of things that she says there that are really important setups. Uh, first of all, she says these are keepers. They basically take care of all of the operation of the citadel, like they make this thing run. They do all the maintenance on it. Mm-hmm. Without them, the citadel does the citadel doesn't function. Well, that's an important thing to bring up, I
1: guess. The citadel was built. Previously, right, it was discovered, right. Yes. So it's like a Prothean city yes. that was discovered by the recent peoples, right? Yes. The Asari and everybody.
0: The Asari were the first aliens in this current yeah. galactic society who
1: found it. So they found it. And the reason it's still a functioning city despite being thousands of years old and should be completely, have fallen into disrepair is because these little insect dudes have been going around and maintaining it with no one living in it for like 50,000 years or something. I can't remember how long, but a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Asari show up and they're like, sweet, we'll just live here. Uh, These bug things are like weird, but just don't bother them. They're keeping the city running. Because
0: any time that someone tries to tamper with them, Mm. they self-destruct. Yeah, the keepers will blow themselves the, up,
1: but then a new one will come and
0: replace them, yeah. more or less, right? Something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember the particulars of whether there's a finite number of keepers. Mm. I would assume that there's maybe some. They, they have some for backup or something like okay. that, right? In case something goes wrong. But, but these bugs. The, the, I, w- blow I would up. actually. That's I would actually think. I would theorize that the mm. reason they make it so um, that they actually do criminalize. Yeah, tampering or messing there's with keepers a at all. Because there could be a finite number, I and the Citadel would, right. would cease to function without them. Yeah. So it's like, they, they're put in a position where it's like, we don't understand what these things are at all, mm-hmm. but they are completely mandatory for us to continue functioning as a galactic society. We need them to run this thing. And that's mm, the thing yeah. to keep in mind, is that every alien race... Discovered mass relays, discovered Prothean technology, right. which is what gave them the ability to get to the citadel in the first place. Yeah. every single one of them, all all of the alien species relied on Prothean technology and in order still, to get to still where they're And still
1: rely at. on them, and um, yeah. that's why anything they find that's Prothean, they're just like freaking out. They're like, yeah. we need to, we need it because these they can't do it on their own, right? right? Uh, It's kind of funny that this whole galactic civilization is relying on stuff that they don't know much about. They don't understand, and they don't know how it works really. Mm -hmm. But they're using it, and there's tons of it, and they—it's all over the place. Right. Uh, But yeah, they're borrowing from somebody else, and we do learn a little bit later that it also seems the Protheans may also have been borrowing from someone even further back from them. Yep, exactly. I think from Lyra. What's her name? We'll talk about her later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like. This could potentially go back billions of years, yeah, right? Where it's right. just like, who knows how far uh, separated we are from the actual inventors of this technology. And everyone's just kind of borrowing it and, and using it, essentially standing on the shoulders of the previous civilizations, but not understanding how any of it works. Right. It's all
0: been planted there.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. So,
0: yeah, a pretty great mystery set up there. But also she talks about... There's like a mass relay monument there, right? And she's talking about how there's debates among uh, academics about whether this is some kind of like, um, uh, what's the word for it? Maybe like a conceited sort of like Prothean monument about, Mm. you know, like how great they were, their technology or something like that. Or is this a symbol of unity? about the fact that we all rely on this technology to bring species together. Mm. Anyways, there's this whole thing about it, but there's this big giant monument, which is a giant mass relay, sitting there, right in front of the Citadel Tower. And then also, she's talking about these keepers. Don't interfere with them, we need them, but we have no idea what they are. They don't interact with us, they don't acknowledge our existence Mm -hmm. at all, they just run around with a singular, we don't even know if they're sentient. Yeah. We don't know if they're robots or organics. We don't right. know anything about them. And it's been thousands of years, and they still don't know anything. Nothing. It's crazy. So, really interesting stuff. Yeah. Then you go up into the Citadel Tower, and you meet Garrus for the first time, who a a C-Sec, which stands C-Sec. for um, Citadel Security. Right. It's like the police force of yeah. the Citadel. He's a C-Sec officer who was uh, part of the investigation into Saren. Mm-hmm. And he's having a conversation with his superior officer, He's like, hey, like we can't call it off, like I'm so close, like yeah. I just need a little more time or like there's some loose ends we haven't tied and he's like, it's over, you're off the investigation, Yeah, you know, kind of thing. He's like, oh, he's all frustrated, right? So that's kind of your first clue into this guy might be important, we might need to team up with him to look into Saren more, right? Yeah. But he kind of wishes you luck um, as you go in to talk to the council. You go in there, Udina's already started, he's shaking his fist as always. <laughs> At the Citadel. He's so mad at them. And they don't listen to anything he says. Yeah. <laughs> and his anger does not move them whatsoever.
1: It kind of rubs on, off on us too as well. Yeah. I guess it depends on your responses to some degree. But right. we're also, we're like, oh my gosh, even even the more Paragon-y type responses are like,
0: you're not going to listen to me anyways. Like, what's the point? In Do you know what's interesting in is life? that there's uh, several instances, and mm-hmm. in particular with the Citadel Council both times, yeah. Where no matter which one you choose, he says exactly oh, the same really? thing. Oh really? I've wondered about he that. He says actually. exactly the same thing. Huh. And it's like you could read that as this way or this way, really. <laughs> it's like uh, even the same performance. It's yeah. like it could be, it could come it could be seen as like a really aggressive or just mm. a really like um, you know, kind of sort of giving up on them. But it's literally the right. same response no matter wow, what. Wow, that's interesting. Huh. I didn't realize that cuz had never done a Renegade playthrough before but, but it's like, like doing there's a lot ones. of instances in the game I won't say a, a lot but there's a lot but it's it's a minor portion of the number of responses right mm-hmm. so it's like I don't know maybe 10% of the time I've seen that Paragon and Renegade have exactly the same answer wow so <laughs> you know that that's a thing but Saren is there he's not really there he's like a hologram Yeah. but he's defending himself and I guess the to get to like the root of what this scene is. He's essentially saying, what evidence do you have? And he's being very condescending about it. And he's obviously like putting on display his um, resentment of the human race, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, and we didn't explain that. Um, you you, you kind of touched on it, but we hadn't really jumped into it too much yet. I think it's something like 50 years since hum- humanity has been invited into this yeah, galactic yeah. civilization. At the time yeah. of the game. Yeah, so it's not very long. About fifty years ago was the first contact war between the Turians and the humans, and then mm. you know they they mediated that. The, the Citadel Council mediated that. In fifty years, humanity is very seriously being considered for a seat on the council, mm. and uh, a, a soldier being made into a member of the Spectre. Now, the Volus we talked to back yeah. in the embassy was super upset about that. Because the Volus thousands. have been here for yeah. thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And they don't have... They're not even close to being there. Right. So the idea is that... And, and I think... I'm trying to remember specifically where I saw this. I don't know if it was the Avena AI who said it. Or if it was some of the character or something like that. But I remember that, that somebody said something like... Um, it would be unfair to the Volus, because when when they're given Mm. a seat on the council, it comes with a huge set of responsibilities. Oh, that's right. You have to like have a military presence. Yeah. Um, You have to give certain number of ships to like protect the Citadel or Mm. to be sent out on, you know, Citadel uh, like sanctioned missions or whatever. You have to have like a certain, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a a certain presence. Uh, You have to give a lot to the Citadel. Mm-hmm. And it's like we wouldn't, it would not be fair to ask a species who is not capable of right. giving those things, um, like the Volus for right. instance, who are not, they're not fighters, they're not warriors exactly. by any stretch of the exactly. imagination. Yeah. They do not have a strong military presence, therefore they cannot be, do what's required to have a seat on the council, right? But they're just upset because like we've been here for thousands of years, why mm. does this brand new upstart race? get a chance before us mm. but there's like actual reasons behind it right and and humanity has expanded because they're competitive and aggressive and just like we'll go out there and explore right. and, and more so than other species tend yes. to be and so that has elevated humanity's standing very quickly and they've become a huge part of the economy oh, yeah. of, of this society as well so it's like if you upset humanity and they pull out your economy will suffer greatly because of that. Yeah. So there's all these reasons why the Citadel is a little bit, I mean, they're still trying to assert their authority and their dominance, mm. but at the same time, they cannot just squash humanities entirely. Right. Like, and, and they actually, in the book, Revelation, the novel, there's, a, there's an ambassador who goes to meet with the, with the Citadel Council and she comes to realize this in the middle of the meeting. She's like, oh. They're trying to like push us around, but they don't, but they're totally aware of the power we actually have. So it's
1: like the leverage. So she's, she has leverage.
0: She's able to Mm. get out of sanctions that would have been applied otherwise because humanity in the story, in the book, they were developing AI technology, which is illegal. Ah, yes. Illegal in this universe, in this society. And so she gets out of a lot of the penalty of that by essentially making a soft threat. We'll just pull out of Citadel space altogether Mm. and watch your economy tank because of it. And it's just so, humanity has some real leverage, and that's the reason why they're elevating as fast as they are. All very cool, right? So anyways, Udina is not good at leveraging that, is my point. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's true. Um, but the the long and short of this scene is that they have no hard evidence against him. Right, they have nothing. Well, they have
1: an eyewitness, but he was deemed unreliable because yeah. he was kind of shaken up from...
0: One human witness who was traumatized by this geth attack. Yeah. Uh, they say that's hardly compelling evidence. And so they say, what about Commander Shepard's vision? And Saren's like, oh, how am I supposed <laughs> to defend myself against this kind of a, testimony? A
1: dream. Are we admitting
0: dreams into court now? Yeah, yeah. into evidence. Yeah, yes, so it's yes. like... Anyways, they have no hard evidence is ultimately what it comes to. So, you know, there's some squabbles there about Saren saying this meeting has no purpose. Like, you'll never be admitted into the (laughs) specters or whatever. And then Udina's like, he doesn't get to decide that. And it's like, yes, that's not the point of this. We're not talking about... Shepherd become a specter. Let's get back on point here.
1: And they showed this throughout this whole thing. But I don't know that it needed to be this way. Yeah. Uh, Because none of the humans seemed to show that much respect to the council. Like if, let's say you're going to talk to a a judge or somebody, Mm. right? Or if you're pleading or if you're asking something before a council of people who have political power over you. you. You try to, yes, Your Honor, you know, you try to be as polite as possible. And that is how most humans tend to be. All three of these people, including Commander Shepard, yeah. are like, you guys are so, you don't even listen to us. This is it's dumb. So What's bad. the point? And then we're all, all the humans are, are showing the worst aspect of humans yes. in full display, but in the most important situation I where know. you should be honorable in front of a committee of people who are going to decide your fate. It, it was very strange because you don't. Because uh, you have a little more control over what Shepard says or does not say yeah. at any other point. But at this point, it's like he's he's just giving them the middle finger and, <laughs> and turning his back and walking away. Yeah. Uh, presumably the first time he's ever met the council.
0: It's it's like they're so unreasonable. Very much the so. The humans are so unreasonable. Because, because they know they don't have evidence. They don't have evidence. Right. You they know it. You can't give the middle finger to the judge
1: <laughs> when you have no compelling evidence. If you won't do it, then who cares? It's like, dude, shh, give me evidence. And they, they, as, they're very reasonable when we come with evidence later on. Yeah. E- even the, um, even the, the race of, of Garrus, what, what's that race? The Turians. The Turians. Yeah. Even the Turian council person was like, yes, well, Saren needs to go, so yeah. <laughs> thanks for the evidence. I mean, immediately. They're very impartial. Yes, and so, which why, is what a why judge should be. <laughs> the
0: animosity uh, uh, in front of this seemingly, actually, pretty neutral. I know, and counsel. and this is as good a time as any to bring this up. Yeah, uh, my renegade, my feelings on the renegade. Okay, pattern. yeah. Um. Okay, there's there's a little bit to this. This is going to take a second. All right, and so just hang in there with me. Just drink some water. You have to. I don't care. I do not care. What profession? or whatever that you're in. You're trying to rise up the ranks. You're trying to, like, you know, get somewhere. Get to the top, Mm -hmm. whatever. You have to have some level of agreeableness to succeed at anything. You cannot literally be just the biggest jerk and just rude constantly and succeed. Yeah. Now, there might be some people who might point to certain political... um, Personalities or like uh, talk show people, and be okay. like that's all they do. I guarantee you that person does not act like that to their superiors. Oh, for behind, sure. Behind, off the camera. Right. Like right. they're they're embodying this really annoying like persona, persona yeah, on yeah, camera yeah. to rile up their yeah. audience. Right. It's all a show. Mm. To rise up the ranks anywhere, you have to have some level of agreeableness, yes. particularly to your superiors. Right. You might treat the people under you badly or your contemporaries badly. People who can't, there's no penalty to that, right? They can't do anything to you. They have no power over you. But to people who do, you gotta have some, some level of being able to compromise, listen, take. (laughs) Even if you're gonna stab them in the back later, you pretend to be nice. You have to at least pretend. Exactly, you have to at least pretend. Okay, so I say that because if you do if you were to try, and I don't recommend this, and I'll get into why in a second, only renegade, if you try to answer everything when it gives you an option, renegade, renegade, nah, renegade. Yeah. He, Commander Shepard is the most disagreeable person ever. He is constantly rude. Mm. He is constantly challenging everyone. He has this huge chip on his shoulder for no mm. reason. He is, he's literally, he, he makes, he, he like burns every bridge, <laughs> Whether the person has deserves it or not, it is possibly the most unconvincing writing I have ever seen. For mm. a character to be in Commander Shepard's position, yeah. or to be given the responsibilities he has, or to be a leader when he is this way, it's f- frankly it's terrible. <laughs> now, huh. um, I, I have a few examples that I that I took note of here that I want to talk about. Um, It feels so, I mean, Commander Shepard feels like two entirely separate people Mm. when he is investigating, talking to people, asking questions, versus when you're just gonna go to your renegade option when it comes up. (laughs) It's like they're two separate human beings. They're so totally different in tone. Mm. Um, It's, he'll be, like just comically rude in one minute, and then polite or helpful the next second because you're going over to this side of the wheel to ask questions. Right. Right? Um, So I don't expect, and I'm gonna play a clip here, right? I don't expect a guy who is like this. That Hanar refuses to listen to reason. Why can't it act in an orderly and lawful manner?
1: Because it's a big, stupid jellyfish.
0: To be interested, for instance, in learning about the culture or history of the Volus people. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. To, like, have genuine interest right. in it.
1: I'm sure our history and culture would bore you, Earth Clan. Actually, I would like to know
0: more about your history. It makes no sense. These things are incongruous, totally. Mm-hmm. These are two separate people. Um... A a, a couple of other examples, right? Especially when that Volus is like rude to him off the bat. Yes. You got this guy who's like just aggressive, Mm. mean to everybody, and a Volus is going to start talking down to him like that. There's no way he's going to be like, "Please tell me more about your history and culture." Like, (laughs) it's it's just—it's not even an option. It's just—it's stupid a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, he. So Harkin. Who, who, a character we'll get to in a minute. Did you go that route when you, did you meet Harkin in the the chorus den? So I met so many. Oh yes, Harkin. Yes, yes. The I did. Yes. Yep. CSEC officer. Guy. I do remember this. Okay, because yes. there you can you can do it totally differently and never meet Harkin. So oh really? There's a possibility of not going that. route. Yeah. Well, I did. I met. Okay. Harkin. So if you know Harkin, if you do the renegade option, Shepard pulls a gun in his face. Really? To try to intimidate him into giving him the information of where's Garrus or something like that. Hmm. That is the, the, I'm sorry, that's right. stupid. Yeah. Y- you cannot get away, he's, he's, he's a police officer. Sure. <laughs> you are pulling a gun on a police officer <laughs> in, a, in a bar. Yeah. You're not getting away with that. Right. He's not a specter yet at this point. By the way, that's if true. If he were that's a true. specter, maybe he could be like, "Oh, I'll just appeal to the freaking council, oh. and they'll yeah, excuse I, yeah, me." I for was this. investigating something. I'll have yeah, yeah. no, uh, you know, re- repercussions for this. Right. He's not a specter yet. He is talking to a police officer. He pulls a gun on him in his face. That's the level we're talking about. Yeah. It's just, it's just comically so evil or at, rude. At some point, even
1: you you still need to make the other options of the game feel like yes. you're still playing a reasonable game that Co- makes sense. Convincing. Yeah, be convincing. Make it convincing. At all, even a little Try bit. Try to make it convincing. Yeah. It sounds like uh, they probably had their uh junior writers write the <laughs> Renegade section and they had they were just like I whatever no, no one's going to do this and if they do they're the jerks who want to be mean to everyone. So it's- don't it's Don't do just
0: it. it's so bad like you you won't accomplish anything like this yeah yeah right you you're not getting anywhere um so so they give you <laughs> it's funny it's almost
1: as if they were really trying to make this type of game where you legitimately have a choice between two different things and you could go down different paths yes that they ought to have um respected the player enough <laughs> to have genuinely actually written out a convincing, a character yeah. that would actually fit in that world. Yes. Instead of just being like, eh, screw it, just whatever. Th- these are for the 14-year-olds the that just want to, like, <laughs> just screw around in the world. Yes, that's like, what just, it feels like. Just
0: write something, who cares? That's what it feels like much okay. of the time. I think I get it. Like, every time you have an opportunity to recruit a team member, yeah. if you go renegade, Shepard will just berate them for how incompetent they are and yeah. how he doesn't need them. And they'll still find a way to come along anyway. <laughs> really? I've wondered that. I was like, <laughs> what happens if, because I'm pretty
1: sure some of these characters are important. What happens if I'm like, no, you can't come? They, they'll, they'll just come, come anyways? anyways. Okay.
0: So there's not really a that. choice anyways. Mm-hmm. He's just a dickhole for no reason all the time. I, I do have a question about Mass Effect 2. Is Does it continue that level of, or have, have you I haven't Renegade? done Renegade on Mass Effect 2. Okay. But oh. from what I've read in the comments, the Renegade path is r- not consistently written across the three games. Oh, so, so it's the Paragon like, is. Yes, but the Renegade but, is not. But the Renegade feels like a different guy in uh, every okay. game. Huh. So that's something we'll explore more when we get into Mass Effect 2. It's the new intern that was the writing intern. Okay, so anyways, I think I've made my point about where I was at sure. with Renegade. And I wrote as my note, I don't think I can finish a playthrough on Renegade. It's okay. it's so stupid to me yeah. that I just I can't stomach it anymore. Hmm. Then that comes with the caveat that there were a couple of examples where the Renegade option felt really good. Hmm. Where it's like, oh I actually like that. Um, what is it, a broken clock is right twice a day? Sure. <laughs> There's a couple of instances where it's like, actually, that would be effective. That would have worked. Okay. It was not nearly as often as it felt stupid to me, mm-hmm. but there were examples. And then we got this comment, and I agree with this completely. And I agree with this going both ways, and, and I'll explain. It, it comes from uh, Regality, who's uh, one of the commenters on the, on the last episode. Says, so here's the thing. I completely understand and agree with your criticism of the renegade path. But I think the issue is that you may have learned way or leaned way too far into it. It's absolutely ridiculous how much of a character it is of an asshole character. But you can still be a renegade character and make renegade decisions without being renegade to crew members. And this was key Hmm. because um, right at the beginning of this episode, we hadn't gotten to the Citadel yet. And I think Ashley, it's like right after you wake up in the medical wing or the sick bay, you go outside and and Ashley's waiting right there. It's Kaiden if you're the female character. And I went Mm. and started doing Renegade and he was just awful to her. He was just awful to her. Mm. And I I was immediately just going like, dude, why? Right? Like there's no way that any of these people would follow somebody who treats them like like this. Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Yeah. It makes it starts to feel like that because right. there's no explanation for why they are endeared to Shepherd right. the way that they are or the way they respect him mm. if he treats them this way. Yeah, it's just it's terrible. It's abusive. It's really bad. And so, anyways, but I, I started to see like, what if you pick and chose your battles with Renegade and you never treated your squadmates like that? Mm. So it's like you were really tight with your squadmates but you were ruthless like with outside threats.
1: So um, the red option that you get the points or that you need to mm-hmm. unlock, that those are the ones that actually like matter, so to speak, yes. for the Renegade path. Those don't show up that often. So you can, well I mean, I guess you do have to follow a tree to get to that point, but by the time you get to that point, there's usually a Paragon and a Renegade, right? Yes. Once you're towards the end of it. Um, could you just be Paragon, or just be nice the whole time? But then just choose that one Renegade so,
0: option when it, of, when it shows up. A couple of things with that: okay. you have to earn Renegade points. Yes. To be able to unlock the red one, I'm aware. Sometimes you'll get blue, but the red will be grayed out. For instance, I'm, I've seen that. Right. Because on top of the fact that there are the Paragon and Renegade points, there's also charm and intimidation yes. as like a, an attribute of the character. Which that I have, I, I do okay. a lot of that. I put a lot of things into right. that. Right. So <laughs> <clears throat> because I've played the game before and I'm aware it, me too. of certain <laughs> exactly. choices down the line that will yeah. require I need to make sure I have enough charm and enough Paragon to do th- or this one right. or the other way. I think some people play Mass Effect and they're aware that that's gonna happen. And so kind of like you were talking about last week, it's like, oh no, what if I don't have enough points in Paragon to make that decision later? Yes. I'm going to, as a contingency for that, just always choose Paragon. Right. I, we are now not even halfway through the game and I have basically maxed out my charm on my Paragon I'm, path I'm close, and my yeah. Paragon is so high that I think already I have enough Paragon to make that choice at the end of the game. Really? Wow. So this yeah, I don't know. This leads me yet. to believe huh. that the game was not, they did not intend for you to always just choose one or the other. Hmm. A lot of people have that feeling that that's kind of like they've, they've funneled you into, you got to be this or this in right. their morality That's kind system. of how the game was marketed though. And yeah. that's
1: how Knights of the Old Republic was. It's like, sure. are you a Jedi or a
0: Sith, right? Yeah. Are you good or bad? And, and the, the people, right. I don't fault players for feeling like that because it's right. not necessarily transparent from the beginning. you try to role play, you know. Yeah. You're kind of trying to be the character that, you know. But the fact that I am so high on Paragon and Charm and morality so early in the game mm-hmm. already leads me to believe that there's a lot of room for you to to go, to split this a little bit more, mm. to split. And so he says here, my first venture into Renegade was exactly the route... That I absolutely uh, exactly that route, meaning splitting, right? right? And I absolutely enjoyed it. My renegade options were about the missions specifically, and my shepherd's past driving their decisions. But I never chose renegade options with my crewmates. Mm. My shepherd was more of a 75-25 split between Renegade and Paragon. Mm. And that is a character mm. that makes way more sense to me. If he's an earthborn, grew up in gangs, you know, escaped oh, that ooh, life. Right by enlisting right. there's okay, a sense you of pick that option. family there's a yeah. sense of these people are on my team or my right. squad these are my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. i fight for them against the threat of all of this stuff out here that that makes so much sense for a renegade playthrough it actually does um, but does it solve the issue of the
1: well the the change in character as you're asking the volus about their race and then telling them to like well i i think i think away.
0: that you could even do a little bit of more neutral options where oh, yeah. it makes sense mm. so that you're not constantly rude when there's not mm. a threat for instance this volus talking to you in the embassy is not a threat to you right. so there's no reason to react as if it is but when you're out on a mission renegade then you just then do whatever Yeah. To like neutralize threats and to make sure your squad is safe and to make sure the Mm. job is complete and you're efficient. I feel like a renegade path played that way would be really natural. Interesting. So I totally agree with what Regality is saying here. And I think there's enough opportunity Mm. to choose Renegade and get the points up to where you can still make the important decisions late game without having to always default to that Hmm. and just create this this character who is a laughable, laughably evil comically um, rude person that has no sense of agreeableness and would never succeed or be put in a level of leadership that we see Shepard in. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So I think that's something to consider as you're playing the game is you don't feel pressured to always pick Paragon because you're on Paragon or to always pick Renegade. Make sure that you're trending one way or the other more than not. But if it's, if it's turning out to make, char- make the character look stupid, mm-hmm. you don't have to fully commit that hard to it. And it will probably play out more naturally to choose the neutral option sometimes. When that's not a mm. threat to you or when it makes sense. Because they do a pretty good job, even in a couple of these side quests on the Citadel, to where if you try to just paragon all the time, it's not always the right thing to do. I've it's noticed like, actually. It's like there's there's one, a few. Yeah, there's one side quest where you are you're, you're um, going to make like it's not a drug deal, it's for mods, but you're you're doing it um, as sort of an undercover agent for one of the C officers, Chelik, I think his name is. Yeah. So like, go buy these mods um, and and you can choose mm. Paragon where Shepard tries to arrest the guy he's buying from on the spot, right? And he just like completely ruins all of the C.S.I. officer officers like leads and things like that. Totally shuts down mm. this whole path of investigation, and he's pissed at you for that, right? So they do a good job now and then of telling you like Paragon's not always the right decision here. Hmm. Sometimes you got to just go neutral, and you'll you'll actually be better off that way. They mix that in, so I think uh, Regality is on the right track with that, and I, I agree with it very much. Okay. Cool. But anyways, I, this goes back to Anderson and Udina and Shepard on the Citadel Council being so disagreeable mm-hmm. that it gets you nowhere. Right. And like, I agree one hundred percent. Like, you have to be able to compromise. You have to be able to see they're being impartial. They're trying to be fair and say, okay, it's on us to go find Let's some go evidence. It. Yeah. And that's what happens <clears throat> next. And that's a fair thing to do. So they go out and they say, okay, here's some paths of investigation for you. We got this contact Harkin, who's a CSEC officer. He's kind of a dirty guy. Yeah. You know, kind of a sleazy guy, but he, he might have some leads for you here. Or you can go talk to this Bar Levon, who has some connections to like the, the organized crime yes. world, right? Um, they call him the, the shadow broker. So you can go either path. And in the course of this, you are going to recruit three people to your team. Um, Rex Erdnott, I think his name is, who's oh, a Krogan. Yeah, um, uh, Garrus, the CSEC officer we met a little earlier, and then Tali, who is a quarian, and we'll talk about her in a minute, Yeah. Um, because you, you find out about her through the course of the investigation. But one thing that I find really interesting about Mass Effect, and I, I, I saw this on multiple missions, not just here, but also on Novaria a little later, um, you can do these, you can like go down one path and miss out on I, I probably I should know. not be telling no, this. No, I know. To somebody. I'm aware. That's why
1: I don't play. The, that's why I, I have a hard time playing this game past <laughs> the citadel, where I'm like, I get what's going on here, and
0: I don't know if I'm into it. It's like but I have to. now. There's a whole I'm, side I'm, of the quest you might not see yeah. because you went this way, and it's like, oh man, I missed out on that. But you wouldn't know you missed out on it necessarily. Okay. Like yes. you, because it just right. wouldn't happen. But I was surprised <laughs> to find that. Oh wait a minute. I can't talk to Harkin now. Because the first time I went through Bar-Levon, and I went and got Rex first, and then I went with Rex, and we did the whole fist uh, in, in the Yes. Deck. And it's like, at that point, I couldn't go find Garrus in the medical wing anymore and well, recruit I, him there. I, I did um, I did that, but... Um, I did the fist thing, but I was still able to talk to Harkin right. earlier on. Okay, okay. So you can either go talk to Harkin... So, <laughs> there's, there's so many ways you can approach it, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can go talk to Bar-Levon and then go straight to Harkin. Right. Or you can go to Harkin, go to straight to Bar-Levon. But if I it's go to Bar-Levon... you make the decision. If I go to Bar-Levon and then I go talk to Rex and c and I recruit him... Oh, then Fist That came up later. Fisk's guys are going to attack you when you go to Korra's Den yes. and you can't talk to Harkin anymore. Ha, <laughs> that's it. Right? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I went to Korra's Den earlier before right. I had Rex. And, and vice versa, if you go to Harkin... And you go recruit Garrus and you go through that whole thing without getting Rex, like it it just changes how they're recruited. You have to get them before leaving the Citadel. So if you didn't if you didn't recruit Garrus in the midst of the investigation, he'll be kind of waiting for you as you're leaving the Citadel and be like, Hey, a good job on everything, like I wanna (laughs) join you kind of a thing. So they'll force him into your party at some point. But hmm. it's just interesting to me how many sort of paths there are yeah. in these missions where they can play out a little differently. It kind of adds to the um, the choose-your-own-adventure feel of Mass Effect in general. Okay, yeah. Um, you, you still kind of arrive at the same points, but there's just kind of these different paths to get there.
1: Th- that might make this game difficult to talk about <laughs> <laughs> with us, especially at certain parts, because yeah. I, my experience may... Uh, it Would be quite different from yours. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's that's actually kind of cool because it's a good thing about the game. It's just, it just might be difficult for it's discussion. It's something that's been interesting about playing it back to back. you know, on three or four playthroughs, like yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah. to do, was you like see all that. I almost like accidentally did this. Yeah, it, it was like, oh wow, I I can't talk to Harkin. I wonder why that is. On the next run through, I try it differently and discover there's this whole other way of going about it. Hmm. So, anyways, I like that aspect of it, but for people with FOMO, it, it <laughs> might be stressful. See, as long as you don't know what you're missing out on, but
1: you can kind of tell. And I had played the game, and I've been around other people who played the game. Yeah, and I, I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> of things. I'm aware of what's sure. going on in in certain instances. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but dude, is it Tarlevon or Barlevon? Barlevon. Um, Did he remind you of anybody by chance? The
0: Volus Barlevon.
1: Yeah. So the way he looks, if I had to describe the Volus, I'd say they look kind of like moles. More. It's yeah. like a mole Yeah, a mole-looking, yeah. But um, in Xenogears, Hammer, when he merges uh, with his gear, <laughs> <yeah>. he basically <laughs> looks that's exactly. But not true. only that, Bar-Levon's like, I have such a great information network. I can find out all the information that you need <laughs> about anybody whenever you want. And it's like, he's straight up Hammer. So I thought that was
0: pretty funny. Yeah, you're right. He he looks like you're right. that's actually that's like actually him. that's actually true. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just boil down what what you find out in the investigation, the important parts. No matter which area you go to or which way you take, whether you go through Barlivan or Harkin or both, you get Garrus or Rex or both. Mm-hmm. Y- it leads you to Fist, who is. Um, he worked for the Shadow Broker as well. Yeah. But he's actually betraying the Shadow Broker because Saren had been doing dealings with the Shadow Broker but had recently sort of like gypped him or betrayed him somehow. Yes, yeah, So yeah. the Shadow Broker is pissed at Saren. At Saren. And wants Saren brought down just like you do. So it's kind of like a... The enemy of my, of my enemy yes. is my friend. Oh, d- even the Krogan even says
1: that, Rex. He does. Yeah. He says we, our culture, have a saying. Yeah. You know, and it's basically that one. And right. It's like, oh well, Exactly.
0: And then you're like, I think we're gonna get go along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rex is a great character. But, I like him a lot. Um, anyways, uh so yeah, the Shadow Broker is pissed at Saren. Um and but Fist is sort of allied with Saren. Yeah. And what happened is is that there's Aquarian tally. Tyler, who has right. information that links Saren to the Geth, yeah, which would be the evidence we're looking for? Yes. She came here wanting to sell that information to the Shadow Broker. Mm. Unfortunately, she went to Fist, who is allied with Saren, not yes. with the Shadow Broker, and and Fist is trying to get that information from her and, and basically kill, just her. kill her. Yeah. Yeah. To so they had like Sarin. a back alley kind of deal, right? That we just happen to show up, for. right? So when we go confront Fist, which is what Rex was hired by the Shadow Broker to do. Yes. Rex is a mercenary
1: mm-hmm. who is
0: hire or assassin who is hired by the Shadow Broker to kill Fist for betraying the Shadow Broker. So you, you can ally with him or with Garrus or both, like I said. You go to, to f- confront Fist and um, he tells you, he spills the beans. There's a meeting with Tally. It's going to happen here and if you hurry, you might be able to save her or whatever. Right. Rex kills the fist, because he was hired to do a job, he doesn't leave a job undone kind yeah. of thing. And you can either be like, we don't kill unarmed citizens because I'm a parent Or un- not unarmed, unarmed prisoners, not citizens. Right. Unarmed prisoners. Or you can be like, yeah, he deserved it. Uh, you know, anyways. But you rush over there and you help her out before she can be killed. And she, so then she reveals how she obtained this evidence. So the Quarians were this, the the species that created the Geth in yes. the first place? Yes. Three hundred years ago, yeah. there was uh, an uprising where the Geth became um, sentient, self-aware, yeah. and they fought. They had like an uprising, uh, and they basically w- nearly wiped out the Corians entirely. Yeah, the Geth won, and the Corians were kicked off. To they call it the Flotilla. They're, they're yeah. little. They have a fleet of ships. Yeah, that they live on, and they're kind of like a nomadic race mm-hmm. now. And it's actually pretty interesting when you think about it, because, like, they have very few people left. Maybe not enough to really colonize efficiently. Okay. But they can't expand, because there's only a certain number of ships that they're on, right? And they use exclusively, like, old machinery. They have just a bunch of old ships. They're very good, like, engineers and technicians, because they have to keep these ships upgrading them and keep... You know, the yeah. maintenance on them so that they can survive, but in living in these clean and sterile environments for so long, mm. they have you know had an absence of disease, and so now they can't like interact with other aliens or go to other worlds because their their immune systems are so compromised. Because okay, of yeah. it. so that's why they're always in their spacesuits yeah. all the time to protect them from that. So, anyways, Tali is Aquarian, and they have like a. Like a ritual, like a coming of age sort of like ritual or, yeah. or ceremony in their um, their their culture, where they go on pilgrimages yeah. to return with something of value to the flotilla that could help. Yeah, that help like people. allows them to uh, a passage into adulthood, kind of a
1: thing. It's a common um, common thing in human history. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. to do something like that.
0: So. In her pilgrimage, as she's going out, she wants to do something really, really spectacular—not just not just something typical. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it reminded me of like, um, uh, like in Boy Scouts, right? Like uh, for like the Eagle Scout, you have to do like a really big service project. Yeah,
1: but it can't be just—it's uh, not the same one every time. Yeah, there right?
0: there there are certain ones that you will see yes, that common. they get away with, like or benches like, at a park or something. Yeah, or can... like painting fire hydrants for the for the fire uh, sure, department yeah. or something like yeah. that. Um, you know, little service projects like that that are easy to do, but like you can pass, <laughs> they'll like let you get away with that even though it's a common thing to do. Yeah. She doesn't want to do that. She wants to do something like go way up, you know, above and beyond on this. Or, or like in science fairs, kids just build the freaking volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> instead then the of sodium and vinegar. Of, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we've They're seen that a million times, something. right? I want to do something yeah. really great. So she actually gets wind of the geth coming back from beyond the veil, because the Geth disappeared way beyond Citadel space, way beyond the the Traverse. And they never show up. They've never come back or invaded. In 300 years, they've just stayed out there Mm. and just left everyone alone. But she heard wind of Geth activity, so she wanted to recover a memory core of one of the Geth. This is very difficult to do because when, the geth, when, it, when a geth dies, it self-destructs yeah, its it memory explodes, core yeah. so that n- nobody can learn about what they're doing. Because they're right. all connected. It's not like a hive mind necessarily. Yeah, they
1: explain it a little later on, how it works. Yeah. It's not
0: a hive mind, but th- as they
1: are around each other, they um, can sort of offload their general responsibilities onto each yes. other. They, they work together so efficiently that it frees up. Their mind to become more sentient, to right. start thinking other thoughts. Like, who am I? Where did I come from? <laughs> yes. Why am I here? This is how they became yeah. self-aware. But when they're alone, they're overburdened with all of their mechanical what they have to do. But when they're yeah. with other robots, they that the burden is lifted. It's an interesting way to explain it without the hive mind. Idea. Yes, it was. I thought it was pretty cool. Actually, it, it's
0: it's pretty cool. So she wants to recover one of these memory cores. She succeeds in doing so. And she finds a recording in that yeah. memory core of Saren speaking about the conduit and the, the matriarch Benezia, who's like his second in command right now. Her voice is heard on that. And so yeah. she's, she, she, you, you persuade her to give that to us for our investigation against Saren. And she's like, oh, I wanna come with you. This is an opportunity in my pilgrimage to do something really great. Yeah. Right, and so anyways, um, really, really like that. That kind of all comes around. You present that evidence to Udina and Captain Anderson. I, I wondered about that evidence,
1: though. Is that, like, really good evidence? Uh, like an audio recording? Uh, because we're in 2021. Right, with deep We faith are faith. at the point where you can fake someone's <laughs> voice pretty easily, especially yeah. in a short clip. And we, they didn't examine it or anything. All we did is we held up a recorder and hit play. And they said, well, he's a traitor now. But switch him to traitor status alright let's go get him <laughs> killed execution done right That's a good without point. like is this authentic Like, yeah. don't they have really killer technology where they could maybe you fake would think
0: Saren's voice if we're, if we're close enough now in the modern day to be able to fake audio yeah. recordings because there's some crazy stuff you can do with AI
1: it's very now. creepy it's basically um, going to ruin the world because you're not going to be able to believe
0: anything very soon there, uh, I w- somebody sent this to me. I think it was like Heon or something. Um, an example of somebody, um, well, well, there's like a scam. Okay, it wasn't Heon who sent me this, it was somebody else. He sent me another thing that was AI mm-hmm. that was funny where he was, uh, celebrity voices you could type in and they've they've give, they fed enough lines from movies or from- That they can fake That it. they yeah. can fake the voice of the celebrity. And it's pretty convincing. It's not perfect, but it's yeah. it's pretty cool. There was another one that was a scam, where you read a certain number of lines and you submit it. It's like for for people who are doing um, voice work or whatever, Uh, and they can just take your recording, take your bank, and then they can just write a script and not pay you, and use your voice, right? Yeah. So we're very close to being at the point where we could fake something like this. So it it probably would not be compelling evidence necessarily, (laughs) but. (laughs) In any case, it works in this story. <laughs> and that scene is wonderful
1: because literally right then and there, they make us a specter as well. Yep. It's just wonderful. It's it's just, it's so fast. Yeah. There's no way that a bureaucracy council over trillions
0: of people makes any decisions that quickly. Well, the reasoning. That was reasoning, really, really fast. The reasoning behind it, I felt, was good enough. But yes, it wouldn't have happened that fast. You're right. Yeah. The reasoning is, Saren has gone beyond Citadel space, so they they can't they can't pursue him. Right. Because Udina wouldn't. asks, send your fleet. Yeah. Into uh, the terminus systems and go get him. And he was like a fleet wouldn't find him. Like, First of all, just yes. A massive fleet. Two. In a we're risking a war with the Terminus systems by doing that. Uh, we're not right, right. going to do that. Because it'd be an invasion. Right, it would right. be an invasion. Yeah. And it's like, we're not going to do that mm. to, over the destruction of a, a handful of human colonies or whatever. Right. It's, it might sound harsh, but it's like, it's, it does not serve the greater good to do something like that. So Shepard's response is, then make me a Spectre. If I'm a Spectre, then I can pursue him. Everybody wins. And I have immunity. I can go out there. They're not going to go to war because of specter, You know, I'd be allowed right. to do this. It would be commonplace. Make yeah. me a specter. I'll go get him. Yeah. It's like, okay, sounds good. And then they yeah. like the dubbing ceremony. I'm here to dub there. the
1: Specter <laughs> Shepherd, Same. and it's great because the camera work. <laughs> the camera work was so. 1930s Nazi Germany, (laughs) Lenny Reifenstahl. Almost perfectly. Just the the hero shot, the camera, all of a sudden goes really low as they're reading the duties of a specter is to operate, and then just the camera angles and then the, the movement. And it, it is straight up like what Reifenstrahl did for Hitler, yeah. which was like groundbreaking and all politicians use it now. And it's, yeah. it's you know, it's in it's everywhere now. It's very effective. effective. <laughs> it's propaganda though. All the, they just switched <laughs> to propaganda mode for a few minutes and just allowed this, you know, like 1950s or 1940s American propaganda was similar to that. Yeah. in the help the war effort and things like that. Right. It it's had that feel. And then it kind of breaks out of it and the camera's back at eye level just looking at them as they're like, okay, so here's what you're going to do. But it was like this propaganda moment for, for like one <laughs> solid minute there. I thought, yeah.
0: it was, I thought it was wonderful. This actually, actually. brings up another thing I, I, I had a thought on that I wanted to bring up. There were a couple of moments that felt really cheesy to me yeah. when, in my male Shepard playthroughs. Yeah. And that little council session there yeah. was one of them. Where it's like, it just kind of felt a little corny, mm-hmm. but also the speech that Shepard gives to the crew when you're leaving the Citadel and being yeah. like, we're the only ones who can do this. We're going after Sarah and We got like pumping up your yeah. crew, like hyping it, it up. It won't be right? hard, but we, or it won't be easy, but yeah. we yeah. can do it. Yeah. Where I was like, that was super corny. Right. On the female Shepard run, mm-hmm. it was so much better. The pep talk? I have come around on her being a far superior oh, actress. Oh, yeah. Than, than Mark is as Shepard. I think that is the general consensus. It's, but. it's a consensus for a reason that I see <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. She has, re- I've really warmed up to her voice. Have you? She's phenomenal. Hmm. And again, she's a, she's, she's a soldier. So she's not like highly expressive. You mm. wouldn't expect that. But she's just more natural and convincing. Her voice is just better. Yeah. And so she can take the same dialogue, the same lines, and deliver them in just this slightly more nuanced way where it does not feel corny, it feels Mm. good. And I I felt that both in her speech to the crew as the Normandy leaves the Citadel, but also in her responses to the Citadel Council not feeling just totally disagreeable and unreasonable. It's like she was able Mm -hmm. to make those lines feel like a more reasonable appeal to them than necessarily just this dismissive or hmm. condescending sort of like talking down or, or being argumentative, necessarily. Interesting. She's way better, hmm. is my point. And so if you haven't given Female Shepherd a run, I recommend it. I think it's actually, she does a really good job. Hmm. Um, okay. There's to wrap something up,
1: I forgot to mention. Oh, go for it. <laughs> well, there's a hundred things. We haven't actually done like any of my notes so far. <laughs> but, but when we go to Fist, Right, and we're yes. breaking in and we're killing all his henchmen and stuff. Yes, we come across two henchmen that for some reason we don't.
0: Okay, Kay. this is a good one.
1: For some reason, we don't immediately shoot them. We can, but we don't. It breaks into a little cutscene, and we have I'm this so dialogue. Glad you this we up. have this dialogue with them, and there's the paragon option. It is so funny, but there's the option of why don't you guys just like go work somewhere else? and if you I don't know what the other one says but the other one's like "Ah, uh, you suck I'm gonna kill you whatever I don't know what it is but if you, you pick <laughs> if you pick the paragon option they you tell them you explain to them what did I say find somewhere else to work right it's like yeah. hey guys come on stop right there don't come any closer warehouse workers all the real guards must be dead stay back or we'll shoot this would be a good time to find somewhere else to work yeah, yeah, right. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I never like Fist anyway.
1: Come on, guys. Come <laughs> on. It's like that episode of South Park yes. with um with I Timmy. Mean like, or come Jimmy. Timmy Chip. Yeah, cup on. It's like, "Come on." And then he says, "Can't you guys work somewhere else?" And the guys are like, Yeah, I didn't like yeah, Fist anyway. <laughs> I didn't like him anyways. And it's like, "Oh my gosh. Yes. That is horrendous." But that's that's paragon dialogue. That so, is I can't imagine. That is
0: a perfect example yeah. of where the Renegade one is way better. Is actually better. Like it makes no sense mm. for the Paragon option there, and again, this is an instance where you're not speaking to your qu- squad mates. You're speaking to people who are a threat to you. This is a perfect time to be intimidating to them. Get out of here, or we're going to kill you. Yes, exactly. You're right. We're out. not playing. It's I'm not out. a joke. We're not I'm being out. nice. We're not yeah. being empathetic. Like that lever is clean. the perfect. Yeah. Example of where the renegade side makes more sense so, than the paragraph. So the side.
1: renegade option, you don't you still don't kill them.
0: No, you intimidate them and they're like, okay, we're So out. those people don't die either way? No. The renegade option I thought it was you were just gonna kill them. You, you could you can rather than going to the blue or red side, you can just Exit go, and, and then and just you're shoot. gonna say to fight and you can just kill them. Oh, okay. Or so, okay. if you go renegade, you're just very stern and you're like interesting. You're you're not, I think he says something like, I just killed like 12 of your dudes out yeah. there. What do you think you're gonna do to me? Kind of right. a thing.
1: Stop right there, don't come any closer.
0: Warehouse workers.
1: All the real guards must be dead. Stay back or we'll shoot. I just killed 50 bodyguards to get in here. What do you think I'll do to you?
0: Uh, well, uh, uh screw Fist. He doesn't pay us enough for this they're like okay cool we'll we'll let you uh, whatever it makes way more sense they don't sense. pay me enough makes for this it makes way more sense kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. I didn't get involved for this
1: instead of saying w- right. instead of saying come on
0: yes <laughs> i'm glad you yeah. brought that up because i was trying to think of the examples of where the renegade was better and i couldn't i couldn't remember that would it. be a good one but that was it it was like mm. that's a perfect and if you're going to play like the split that uh Regality was talking about earlier. That's one mm. of the examples where it's like it's an outside threat. Right. I don't treat my squad mates like that. Oh, of course. I treat my outside threats like that. Yeah. And it makes way more sense, right? Hmm. So, anyways, yes. What other notes, because we're we're going to wrap up the citadel. So what other citadel notes do you have? I
1: just have too many, because I spent so much time just going around and exploring. Like, in part, some of my notes are just like, I wish I could explore more of this area. Yeah. It's so big, apparently, and there's millions, billions, possibly, of people that live there. Um, And I just wish I could see more of it. But the few sections they let me see is, like, pretty cool. But I did want to make notes on, um, specifically... Oh, well, I can just go through a lot of this, um... Do you know if in the technical credits of the game, the Elcor voices, is, that, is a person voicing them? Or is that digital just computer I would voice? think it's a person. Okay. I don't know. It sounds like a computer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. I can look into that, though. I was supposed to. I just kind of forgot to. Um, so I get all of the as-you-know dialogue here. Uh, with Shepard asking Palin of c what a Spectre is. Because he's like, tell me what a Spectre is. <laughs> tell me is. about and the Spectre. And Palin's like, uh, well... You know Kipawell doesn't like him so much, right yeah, uh, but it doesn't bother me at all as I am still fascinated by the lore and the world of the game so far right yeah. I, I don't i I don't know how to completely get around permanently the idea of as you know such yeah. and such, but if it's important information, I don't mind so much how how it's given so much in that yeah. regard right sure so I, I'm just not minding it that's more or less the thing whatever they're doing here it's I just don't mind that as you know I more. agree
0: with you, and I just want to make the the footnote to that that I still get why other people don't like it though
1: because there's some sure. people
0: who have in the comments been like it makes no sense for this guy to not know anything yes. you're right but at some point it doesn't bother me doesn't because be I think to... they they do it in a way where one it's optional we already talked about yeah. that but two they're, they're good at working around it with the way it's written I, I think it's pretty well done I think it's well done um you know what's kind of cool too?
1: This is just a technical thing with the game. Um, when you've wrapped up, when you have a long conversation with someone for like 10 minutes, they do a pretty good job of, because I, I would think that I would have to go back through all the options and make sure I did all the trees and that I hit all the points, right? Yeah. But they do a pretty good job once you've done everything to where the character themselves will say something like, well, I'm done here, I've got work to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh sweet, then you can you can still go back and ask again. But they they, they give you a little bit of a hint sometimes that you have done all of the questions. You don't need right. to go back and double-check, right? Because right. it would take me quite a while to do that. So I appreciate that, because a game like this definitely needs that to exist. Um, so the big one I guess I want to talk about here is the Consort. Yeah, Shira. We were Shira. talking about this a little yes, bit last night. we talked yeah. about this last night, which is just wonderful. <laughs> so it's, it's it's it feels so fascinating the way they start building it up. And you, you start hearing about this place that people can go to to let off steam, but it's just a really fascinating place. When you first hear about it, you're like, oh, it's like a brothel-ish type place. Like all the guys are just like, oh, I got to go there, but I don't have enough money. Oh, but that's Sha'ira. I hear she works wonders. Oh, I got to see her again. And it's like, okay, this sounds like a straight up brothel. And in some way, that's not completely incorrect, Yeah. but that's not all that it is. And that's where it starts to get really... Really interesting. Mm. So you're hearing about all this stuff. You start kind of making your way in, and you talk to the woman that's at the front there. And sh- or I, I basically they're
0: all women, right? But
1: well, I will say woman. We don't have to get into the whole gender thing with them. Well, the
0: asari, there's more. They're to genderless, that. right? But they do have a, they have a human woman there.
1: And so, oh, I like, thought it
0: was I thought it was an asari. Okay, so there's just a human there, okay. No, 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 there is one human consort among the Asari consorts. Okay, but I'm talking about the woman at the... The woman like, at the desk the is an Asari. Okay, yes. But as you're walking through, is, one of them is a woman, a human woman. Kay. Is woman the proper term? They refer to themselves <laughs> as
1: she. You know? Okay, okay, then it So is. I would say yes. Fair enough. So there's a woman uh, hostess there that we talk to, and she's like, or more like, hey, we'd like to see she, you know. and she goes uh, like we're booked out for like 4 months right so it's it's a weird brothel if that's how it works but anyways yeah. um so it's, it builds up the intrigue like what is this place what what do they do here and you can kind of ask people questions and they're just like, well we do lots of things we just help people out you know and it's so it's vague enough to where it just it, it becomes very 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 intriguing yeah. and so I really liked it I would go throughout I'd try to talk to everybody there's a, like a waiting area where people are talking to some of the other consorts and like it 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 feels like there's something really cool at the end of this right? <laughs> And so Shayita, she sees us, right? And so she, you know, we go on back, and we. Well, because they and have that her. whole
0: shot where she's like observing she's like, this. She's like, yeah, behind a wall. And and she's as, ooh, she's taking interest in Shepherd from the shadows, and she's sort of like seductively walking up the stairs. Yes, it's like and building you see her this up behind. as if this is going to be something really important. Yes. it's not just the the dialogue or whatever it's the way that they're setting this up with the camera it's it's the shot yes. selection they're choosing it's how they linger on things they have yeah. like little stings musical stings that sort of yes like, the music too right yeah some dramatic they're building music up, shows up. To something big so, just
1: tons of mystery right surrounding this and, whole and, and then, thing <laughs> it's so funny so so the hostess is like ooh, she took an interest in you this never happens you must be a very important special person you may go up. Right yeah. now, without an appointment, like wow, this is gonna, this is this is crazy. So yeah. we're interested. She's interested. Let's let's see what happens here. Now, what I'm thinking in my mind is something along the lines of, like uh, in The Matrix, where you meet the Oracle mm-hmm. and how you have this unforgettable interaction with her. But it's not so straightforward as like, hey, Neo, you're the chosen one. Did you know that? But instead, it's just this weird. It's a surreal kind of experience sure. that just doesn't necessarily make sense. It's not so direct, but it's unforgettable. And it, yeah. Anyways, I'm expecting something like that. I'm just excited for how this goes. We walk up the stairs. We see, we see Shaira in her room, and the first thing, she's just like, okay, look, my boyfriend broke up with me and i'm so <laughs> mad at him. He's spreading rumors and i just need somebody to go there and just shut him up, okay? And and straighten him out and make sure just tell him to stop spreading rumors about me. It's yeah. a it's a middle school drama. Yeah. We walk up there and it's a it's a it's a middle school drama between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Now, they've seen each other for like a decade or something, but still it's, it's like, okay, go talk to my boyfriend well, and talk some sense into him.
0: He's being stupid. Just for the sake of accuracy, not to interrupt or anything. I know. I didn't I, quote anything I directly. Think that, I <laughs> I'm think paraphrasing. I am paraphrasing. the general Septimus who's in question here, the one yes. spreading the rumors, he wanted her to be more than just the client uh, relationship. Just right. what happens when he comes to see the consort. He wanted to have a relationship with her. She wasn't willing to do that. Sure. So therefore, he's going around doing this as payback to her because he he won't be she will not be his girlfriend.
1: There you go. Okay, that so, makes sense. So yeah. it's less of an ex-boyfriend thing. They're not more an of ex- an. It's an it's complicated. Yes, relationship. <laughs> right. Okay. So. <clears throat> Anyways, and they sent us on this quest to go talk to a guy to tell him to stop spreading rumors about me. Why are you so obsessed with me? It's like a Mean Girls <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So anyways, we get there, and it's, it's a thing. And we don't have to go through the whole side quest, but we eventually are able to kind of clear things up, figure things out, get this guy to admit that he's spread rumors, which, anyways. Yeah, and there's so a whole there's another Cor involved yes, who thought his secrets
0: had been revealed Who believed the, the rumors. But he's just really obvious, apparently, and that's why it wasn't. It was never a secret. This is so easy to find out. (laughs) I must do something about this. (laughs) Sadness. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that. that. So, anyways, we go back to Shayida and. She's like, did you did you tell him? Did you did, did is he gonna stop? And we're like, yeah, he'll stop spreading rumors about you. She goes, okay, okay. And then she gives us like a quick like thirty second little so Oracle moment where she's like, well, and I guess some of this depends on what your um, previous choices were. I think because yeah. uh, I mentioned the Azure only survivor thing. That was yes. my. Right. That's she, my story. That's right, yeah. And so she mentioned, oh, you're so strong. You've got the... And, and it's your true inner strength that is... Then that's why you were the only survivor. Right. And okay, now you can go, right? <laughs> so then we leave, and I was so disappointed. I was just... I was. I was so let down from that moment that I thought it was going to be this really intriguing mysterious kind of thing that was going to open up into this like really deep moment where yeah, a like, connection between people an oracle moment. Yes, an oracle type moment. Set up a new mystery
0: and, or yes, something.
1: And yeah. don't don't just tell me that that I'm I'm just I'm really strong, you know, and like I can something I can obvious,
0: it. generic. It's very generic. Yeah. I agree 100%. The yeah. side quest is a huge letdown. It's it was, really But it had
1: the it had some Great intrigue up until the what you figure out why she wants to see it. Yes. And that just it just sucks the air out, out of the whole, whole situation.
0: <laughs> it was so disappointing. And the worst part is that if you go renegade on that route <laughs> Shepard will be like, wait a minute, that's it, right? Yes. Which is what I was thinking. I but was I didn't thinking say the it. same thing. Like yeah. that's that's really that's all yeah. you're offering me? That that's like the that's the, what the people pay money for of the consort that I couldn't have yeah. gotten in to see for four months or otherwise? Yes. And that's what you would have told me? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. That's what you were thinking. I voiced that in Renegade. And so instead she just has sex with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does that happen? How did that
1: happen? How does it turn into that? Like, like oh can you tell god. me? Are there some more dialogue <laughs> like pieces before that happens? No, or does it just go it's right into so
0: it? So awkwardly cut. Oh my god. Like He's just, I think he literally says like, oh, is that it? Or he's he's just a little bit confused or disappointed. And so she kind of just like, she seems like a little bit um, like unsure what to do. And then as far as I remember, mm. I could pull it up because I have it <laughs> on the archive channel, but as far as I remember, it just cuts to her and him, like from like the neck up or something naked, like sure. obviously having sex. And it's just like, I'm just watching this going like, are you serious, dude? Like,
1: <laughs> and that what? Would, that would be the first intimate moment of the game. Yeah, is, it would be that one. Yeah, and and it's a clear. There's no hint that that's what's going to happen. It, right? It
0: is. It's really dumb. That is unbelievable. It's really dumb. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. It's not a great side quest. So I agree.
1: Anywho. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So we what kind was your of, favorite side quest on the Citadel?
1: Oh geez, I mean. Um, that's a good question. I, I really enjoy the moral dilemmas and the ethical conundrums yeah. of just this whole game is constantly presenting them to us. And that's part of the dichotomy, the good evil kind of thing. Yeah. And how it's like, well, you think it's so easy to be good all the time? Well, what do you do now when this person dies or that person dies? Now who do you kill? It's like, well... Mm-hmm. F- I don't actually know. But they'll they'll highlight in blue, you should do this. But this is what I found interesting, because it's not always so expressly obvious. So there is that one quest where there's a guy whose uh, wife died in the war, and her remains are to be shipped back to him, but there's a delay, and it turns out that the scientist people have gotten a hold of her body and determined that they want to do some experiments on that woman, and they don't want to return the body to the guy anymore. Oh, yep, that was a And good so, that was fascinating, not so much like the funnest one, but it was interesting because it gets you thinking, right? Yeah. So you go to talk to the scientist, and this is what I found so interesting. You go to talk to the scientist, and he's like, okay, she could save a thousand lives if you let us do some, some research on Study it. Study the body. Yeah. And then you talk to the guy, and he's like, this is unfair, um, and I, I should have a say in the matter. This, is, I don't, this isn't right, yeah. right? He should so be you, the one to decide. You can agree both ways. Right. But but depending on who you talk to, a blue option shows up for both. And this is part of where I realize, I learn that the FOMO is a thing that can happen. (laughs) So you can talk to the scientist and you can do the paragon option with him, which is I'll talk some sense into him and whatever. But then when you talk to the guy, there's a paragon option for him that says, I'll go talk to the scientist. And I'll talk sense into the scientist to see your point of view. They're both—they were both Paragon options. I'm not confused about this,
0: right? I don't remember this because I think in every single version of it that I did, uh, whether it was Renegade or Paragon, I just uh, convinced the guy to give the body back to the other. Yes. Group. Now I do remember vaguely that there, from past playthroughs, I do remember vaguely that there was a way to convince the other guy to let his wife be used. To save people. Yes. But I didn't do that in any of these playthroughs, these three that I did No, because part. unfortunately, I have
1: heard from people some things that happen in the game, and so that's what I decided. I decided to do that one because I'm. this is one of the big ones that I've been aware of for a long time of something that happens later. And it's like, okay, so I made I made the choice I made based on some knowledge that I had heard some, from Landon, basically. Oh, okay. 12 years ago, a <laughs> long time ago. Back when he played it, 10 years ago, maybe. Um... And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll do this thing for some reason down the down the road, right? And I don't even completely know what it is, but I know I remember Landon saying,
0: "I actually, oh, you should do this one." You're saying this to me right now. Were and you? There? I don't even remember what this affects. Really? I don't. I didn't remember I don't this know what having an effect on it. okay later. So, so, so if that's the case, then uh, supposedly it does. I'm missing out on it too because yeah. <laughs> I but, don't even remember. But my point
1: is, the 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 option is. I don't think the option to have him allow his wife to be tested is a renegade option. Sure. I think it's paragon either way. It just depends on whether or not you're going to paragon with the scientist
0: or with the guy. You can intimidate or renegade your way to um, getting the guy to give the body back. Okay. So, like, when you're talking to the guy and he's like, no, we can study this body. It's a geth attack. We need to know how to, like, save So people. renegade You force can him. renegade and okay. be like, stop. This yeah. is the kind of crap that I'm out here fighting against. Yes. And, he, and he's like, fine, fine. I don't want to create an incident. So so that's fascinating. Yeah. Because my, I, my general
1: idea of this game is, oh, there's a good and bad option, and it'll tell you which one's the good one, and then yeah. in the red is the bad option. Right. And you can always be good whenever you want. Right. But that's not actually what the game does. The, right. the game actually presents you with a general conundrum that isn't so easily defined as this is the good this is the bad and they're both good and you have to pick which good option you're gonna do Mm -hmm. right so that's that was the probably the most fascinating side quest that i did
0: the one that i liked on the citadel was scanning the keepers for oh yeah that was fun yeah yeah um because there's a couple ways this can go right like you can tell Chorbin up front, because he's scanning the keepers right after you come out of the Citadel Council meeting the first time. Mm. And you're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I oh, uh, It's like, you're not supposed to mess with these things. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't. And yeah. it's like, I know what I saw, dude. Like, He's so shady. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, you know, we're trying to scan, the, we created the scanners. The first time we've ever been able to actually successfully scan the keeper, because they usually self-destruct when we try, right? It's like, we, we, I actually figured out how to do this. Mm. This is like huge. Huge, huge thing to like mm-hmm. actually be able to learn more about it, but they're not going through the proper channels. They're doing it illegally. Right. So if you're going Paragon, straight Paragon, you can be like, no, this is illegal. Screw you, I'm not doing this. Right. Or you can go, you know, middle option to actually engage the quest and go around being like, okay, I can help you out. I'm not afraid of the authorities or whatever. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Then you go scan it, but eventually you run into his business partner on this, yeah. who's like, my friend's trying to kill me, go yes. talk sense into him. Yeah. So you go back and you're like, Chorbin, why are you lying to me about this uh, research you're right. doing? And he's like, oh, and he tries to come a little bit clean there, but he wasn't actually trying to kill his Volus partner at right. all. He was like, that part, he's just telling you that. That's not yeah. the case. He's trying to steal the research from me that we were mm. doing. And so like, then anyways, there's a couple ways this can play out. One you can do all the scans illegally and like get all if i think there's 20 keepers on the citadel you can come across you can go scan all of them for Chorbin. you can complete that before you even meet the volus guy mm. or you can meet the volus guy as you're in the midst of your scans and then go back and be like this is illegal i'm shutting you down and then that quest stops you cannot keep scanning keepers anymore mm. or you can tell chorban up front i'm not going to scan illegally for you then meet the volus guy Go through that whole thing, and and the Volus guy can be like, Okay, um, I'm going to go through the legal channels. Here's a scanner. And you, so there's like, they offer another way for you to do it. So, Um, so anyways, the whole point is that I like this for the whole setup that what the keepers are or the mystery behind what the keepers Mm -hmm. are. It's important, in my opinion, that the first opportunity to actually learn something about them yeah, we should probably do that. We should probably scan these keepers and learn anything we can possibly learn about them. Right, that just makes it's sense. It's a very important thing right. for our galactic society. So I liked all of that. That was probably my favorite of all the uh, Citadel side quests. Yeah. Um,
1: anything and then, else? then the scene with Shepard and Ashley where she said she won't wear a tin foil miniskirt. There uh, is. I, I don't think I remember that. Okay, it's kind of towards the end of the Citadel, but there is... Um, oh, because I didn't have her in my party. I had Garrison
0: Rex by the end.
1: Oh, okay. See, yeah. that's the other the other FOMO issue for me here or is tally. that it becomes yeah. very clear that these people are saying specific set things, and they happen randomly. You'll be walking through the Citadel, and someone will talk, and it's like, oh, sweet, I wonder what the other characters would have said, right? Yeah. Or like, you go to see the Krogan statue, right? Now I don't I didn't have Rex with me when I saw the Krogan statue. Oh, yeah, but I, I remember wonder that. what he would say if you were around. Were desert. I to be with sure. him when he's and actually I didn't do that. I probably should go do that next time. Yeah. But like there's tons of stuff like that um, all over. But every time the dialogue skirts around some flirtatious behavior or anything sexual or romantic in any way, it's it's really awkward. <laughs> it's extremely awkward. Um, And it feels forced. And I feel like they're doing it on purpose. I feel like it's forced uh, because they are cluing in the game player that romance is a possibility within this game. Yes. This is a thing that you can do. Yes. Right? And so they will often be, you know, provocative in certain ways that don't make sense and that nobody would ever say and yes. that they were really weird, but it serves the game purpose of, Alerting oh, you to the fact that it's yeah. possible to romance. Like, guy. I think one later on was, I think it was with Ashley, where um, where Ashley was saying that she would follow orders and Shepard said something about kissing her, like, what if, what if you were, or what if, w- would you kiss someone if you were commanded to? And she's yes. like, that's yes. a different situation or yeah. I can't remember what she says there but what the fetch who says that that's yes. the weirdest yes. thing it's not very good flirting it's very bad flirting <laughs> it's very bad flirting um, but and it just it seems to kind of just come out of nowhere yes. and, and part of that is because it, typically there's a mood associated with flirting that you can feel more with real people that is, is very difficult to uh, replicate in a video game. To yeah. actually, to tell whether or not someone else is into it or not. Yes. Um, with, the, with this game, it's just really hard to tell. Like, whoa, you went there. Holy cow, that's weird. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah. I'll, I kiss people sometimes. <laughs> uh, anyways, like, yeah, okay. Anyways, it's, it's a strange kind of thing. But I'm, I'm getting a lot of that in the game. Just all
0: over the place. Okay. So this is as good a time as any to bring another piece of criticism up that I wanted to respond to. Yeah. And this, I'm realizing right now, we're probably going to split this into two episodes. We're okay. probably going to end the Citadel because there was just so much. There's
1: so much there. And we didn't there. even touch on a lot
0: of the side quests. But um, I think that once we get into the other missions, we'll fly through those a little faster because there's just so much to talk about, the world building and how things work in Mass Effect. But anyway, one criticism in the comments of last week's video was um, <clears throat> the characters in this game are so bland, I don't mm. understand like, why people can get attached to these characters. Um, and I, I, I feel. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't agree with it entirely, yeah. but I see where the sentiment's coming from. In
1: these moments, like the romance moments, right? I agree, but generally
0: speaking, I feel they're pretty good characters. Um, here's my too long, didn't read response to it. <laughs> it's much, much better. Mm-hmm. The characters are much better in Mass Effect Two in terms of okay. building relationships. Uh, Like when you're talking to your squad mates, you're building trust with them, the romance is way superior in Mass Effect 2. And it's the reason why, in a lot of ways, Mass Effect 2 is a much better game in certain ways Mm. than Mass Effect 1 is. There are other ways that, you know, you might feel Mass Effect 1 does this a little better or whatever. But the character interaction, the building rapport with your squad is much better in Mass Effect 2. Um, I think... The major thing for me is that it's unfortunate that the human squadmates, Ashley Williams and Caden Elenko, are the bland, yeah. kind of hard to really love. Not like mm-hmm. you hate them, but they're hard to love as characters. There's just yeah. not much there right. that makes me like, really feel they're any not... attachment to them. Sure, yeah. On top of this, a lot of the characters in this game and in the series are soldiers and scientists. So they're not the most expressive people in the world. <laughs> Fair enough. They're, they're very logical, focused, uh, efficient types. Yeah. Well, you get that with Laida when she comes in later.
1: Um, yeah, well,
0: uh, Liara, yeah. Liarda. Liara, I the, Liara, the Asari. Liara, yeah. Because she's where a scientist, she's, right? And she's very awkward. Yeah. And so there's, especially for people of JRPGs, where the characters are stylistically like eccentric yeah, yeah and very expressive very expressive. very over the top. Yes. Coming into something like this might feel like, wow, this is bland. Mm. I don't see it that way. I see it as a refreshing level of groundedness. Okay. Where people feel like real people and not like caricatures who are just I'm this anime archetype who always acts like this and mm. I'm this one. I'm mm. not saying that as a criticism of JRB's in the anime, I like them and mm-hmm. I like the style, but this is a different flavor right. and it might not be your cup of tea. I get that. I do not understand how someone could see Rex or Garrus or or um, or Tali mm. as being boring characters. Okay, I yeah. think they're fascinating. I think characters. they're
1: very fascinating,
0: yeah. I I like you, you can I'd talk agree. to Rex about the genophage for instance, like mm. his uh, so yeah. Yeah, I did. There was the original Rachni Wars is what they call it. Yeah. There was this insect-like species that were wreaking havoc thousands of years ago. And the, the Turians and the Salarians and the Asari, the Citadel races, right? They were trying to fight them off. And so they sort of like, as far as I understand it, I might not get this totally correct. They sped along the evolution of the Krogan. So that they could be used as soldiers to fight the Rachni. Mm. They went too far. The Krogan. The the Krogan went too far and eradicated the Rachni completely. The genocide. (laughs) They they just killed all of them except for one egg, which will be part of the Novaria mission we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah. But the Krogan then became a new problem. It, they just replaced the Rachni, and it was like, oh, now yes. we gotta fight them. <laughs> yes. So, the Solarians developed a bioweapon called the Genophage, which made them essentially, not t- completely infertile, but it's like one out of a thousand Krogan births was actually successful. Yeah. They, they basically just, they have stillbirths, and they, they're, so they're just dying as a species. Mm-hmm. The Turians administered that bioweapon as they fought against the Krogan. So you can talk to Rex and get his feelings about these things. And to me, he's a fascinating character. Oh yeah, There's nothing boring about him. Um, the alien characters in Mass Effect 1 are far more interesting than the human characters. Yes. That I agree with 100%. Yes. But I would not go so far as to say as the characters are bland or that they're boring or that mm. it's hard to feel for them or get attached to them. I love Tali. Tali is one of my favorite characters in the yeah, whole series. I I just, there's something about her personality I'm very drawn to. Uh, Garrus is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Liara is quirky and weird and awkward, but you know, and kind of she's real nerdy and sci- she's a scientist, right? Yeah. But she's not boring.
1: Right.
0: They just speak in ways that soldiers and scientists and professionals speak. They don't speak like anime characters. Yes. <laughs> so it's not exactly like highly expressive. But, and the
1: times so the times that the human characters don't speak like the army scientist type people yeah those are the times where I like
0: them the least yes right when they're trying to flirt when or they're
1: being flirty or whatever <laughs> that's where it's like now all of a sudden they're filling some weird anime yeah. archetype that I I think that that was forced in there and doesn't fit
0: their character yeah um, right I personally this is my personal taste. I don't like the doing any of the romance options in Mass Effect 1. I okay. save that for 2. Because mm. Tali is not a character that you can romance in the first game. Oh, she's not? No. Well, I she, guess with the suit. She becomes a romanceable character, I think, only in Mass Effect 3. Oh. But wow. in any case, um, yeah, there, there, there's mm. no character that I'm drawn enough to. Because I think right. for Male Shepard, the options are Liara, Ashley... That might be it. Just those two? I'm trying to think if there's a third. I can't remember. Anyways, I never do well, it. Well, Shaida, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> She's right? romanceable. Kind of a relationship with Shaira. Yeah, but not like a... Anyways, deep I don't think that the romance is very well done in Mass Effect mm-hmm. 1. It is way better in Mass Effect 2. And I, I, I was similarly surprised. Uh, I think they needed to add just like one more interaction before Ashley started to be more overt about the fact that she's feeling something or I, that Liara. I started getting into that.
1: And I agree too. The Liara one is is very It's so very sudden. strange. Like yes. okay, so it's even for a science nerd. But w- that's after for the you next recruit episode.
0: Liara. And you're right. We're gonna get yeah. into more in the episode. But I just want to talk about the romance real quick. Okay. You have like moments of time where you can go down and sort of speak with your squad mates on the ship, mm. on the Normandy, right? And it's like this is your first sort of like in-depth conversation with Ashley. The way that that goes, you're right, there's this very awkward paragon option where he says mm. something about what if your commanding officer commands you to kiss or something like that. I, that felt like that. weird. Yeah. And it's like the next time, like the very next time you talk to Ashley, She's like listening to uh, some kind of radio or, or transmission from, from, her, from sister. her sister, her younger like, sister. Oh, yes. Commander Shepard's pretty handsome. Blah, yeah. blah, oh, I hope you didn't hear that. She's obviously mm-hmm. very into you now. Yes, and she talks to you almost like because at the time I was talking to her, she's like, "Don't, don't you have a thing with Liara?" Though I was like, "Do I? Right. What are you talking about?" Well, it, I guess it <laughs> depends on the dialogue. I actually right. took the dialogue
1: tree with with Liara like to all the way. When she's like, I feel something for you. And it's like, I feel something for you too. I just went with all those options. <laughs> was, and so, I, was, I don't know. I but was Ashley starts to kind of be
0: upset with Liara. Yeah, I was surprised to go talk to Liara for the second time. To, and she's like wanting to be in a relationship. I was like, why? Uh, what I are you talking about? Did That's I so say something that like, no, I had talked to her first. Oh, you had. But I didn't oh. think that that conversation had led naturally to that result. Oh, where okay. she would think, oh, He's interested in you. Me. Guys are together. Now, I, it's right? almost like they both needed one more in or, the middle yeah. conversation to lead more naturally into. Yes. Oh, I think you're into me. Am, am I mistaken or not? At least one more. One more. At least. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Probably ten
1: more. But, but it's in, a game,
0: and you got to condense things. I get it. In both circumstances, I was shocked that they thought that yeah. that they were all their minds were already there. I yeah. was like, how? So it's We've like, spoken one time prior to this. How do you think I want to be your boyfriend already? And Commander Shepard, we put together this team of these girls that we just <laughs> are like going to start dating <laughs> on our ship. Like, it's like, we're well, gonna, uh, what is this? Ashley brings up that there's some kind of conflict there. There's some kind of rule yes, where you're
1: not supposed to do this. But it's not with um Liar, because
0: she's not... Part of the alliance. But with Ashley, there is some role. Right. But so she doesn't care. She doesn't seem, anyways. Yeah. Anyways, I agree cat. that the human characters and the romance is not great in Mass Effect 1. Yeah. But don't worry, because if you plan the place to the get series, better? Mass Effect 2 does it so much better. Okay, good. So much better. Good, good, good. Okay. Anything else about the Citadel? Um, I think I'm done with this, yeah. Okay. I think so, too. Um, you you come out after wrapping up everything on the citadel, and Commander or Captain Anderson stepping down. He's mm. giving you command of the Normandy. Yes, and and you feel like it's oh, kind of abrupt. But this is unfair. Captain Anderson should be the one in charge. Right, it's like his history with Saren, and plus the fact that you're the Spectre, not him. Yeah,
1: so we need to be in charge of yeah. where we go. So it's yeah. like you know he'd
0: gonna get in the way. It's like, you know, he's stepping down and allowing you to kind of, like, take the lead on this. Right. And it's, it's kind of a, a cool moment where you can talk to him a little bit and, um, you know, learn about his history with Saren, the fact that he was actually considered for the spectrum. Right, and we're kind of and upset he that it. he
1: didn't tell us before. Yeah. But
0: he's like, what's there to tell? Like, I, I, I blew it. it. I, yeah. I ruined it for all humans, for everybody, for 20 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, well, you know, this is on you now. Keith David's performance is really mm. good. And, and I, really, I really like the character, Captain Anderson. But you go on the ship, Joker's like, oh man, they really screwed over Captain mm-hmm. Anderson. It's like, yeah, this feels wrong, whatever. But then you give right, a speech. But, but, but we're glad it's you, yeah, not some other Joker. You give a speech to the crew to let them know where you're going and get them on board and get them you know, some confidence in where you're, yeah, what yeah. you're doing. And then you set out, and this is the first time you can access the galaxy map which for me was a huge hook in Mass Effect. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. So thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, I had originally planned for the... I, I, I think I estimated in the first one would be eight episodes, but I was trying to overshoot it. I, hope I it's less actually than eight. ended up planning on five. Okay. But now it's at least going to be six, because <laughs> we're splitting this one into two. Well, okay. So it's looking like it's going to be six episodes. Six episodes. But in, next, in the next one, we'll talk about Liara's Dig site uh, and um, Novarian. Okay, perfect. That's for the next episode. So until then, until next week, peace out.